Hey, it's the Feeling Family Podcast, a place where feelings are felt, stories are shared, and you are valid. With hosts Kylie and Sierra, you will dive deep into people's life stories and experiences facing each emotion along the way. From happiness to sadness, pain, joy, anger, hope, and everything in between, every feeling is important and we hope to prove it. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Feeling Family. Hey guys, it's the Feeling Family Podcast, and we're so happy to have you here, and we're glad you're back for another episode. (laughs) We are your hosts. uh, I'm Sierra. And I'm Kylie. And we are, as always, excited to share share with you another story. Uh, This person is actually super close to us. she is actually my age, and she is our cousin. Her name is Whitney Bushai, but now it's Whitney Gray. She just got married, and she was, like, my best friend growing up. We pretty much did all the things together because her dad and my dad are brothers, and they were, like, best friends. So we just grew up together. Yeah, but pretty much our entire childhood with... Whitney so it's really fun she actually talks about it a lot in her story and just all the fun times that we had all the fun times that she had as a kid it this is kind of the month of our family's stories (laughs) I was just thinking like last week we had our cousin on and then this week we have our cousin on too so but we just got a lot of good stuff in our family to share. So that's what you're getting. But Whitney is so True. important. As I was editing her episode, I was crying through half of it because I was like, oh my gosh, I love this girl so much. And not only like do I have so much love, I know that she has a story worth listening to and a story that is going to touch so many people. So, yeah, I really think it's going to be a good one and that you'll all love it, especially with we've been focusing a little bit on how May is Mental Health Awareness Month and Whitney's story pretty much captures mental health (laughs) awareness in all aspects. Yeah, so similar to our story, um, Whitney's dad was also an alcoholic, and he struggled with a lot of addictions, and so she ex- she shares her story and her side of um, her experience, and also continues to share how that kind of took over his life, and she lost her dad to drugs and alcohol. He wasn't able to recover and eventually he passed away and so she just dives into how emotional it was to lose her dad even when he was still alive and to lose him after he passed and what it did to her after yeah it's so interesting so i think prepare yourself because it's a lot but let's let whitney share I got stage right. (laughs) Welcome, Whitney. We're so happy to have you on our podcast today and for you being brave enough to come on here and share your story. Yeah, thanks. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. It's going to be really good. We're so excited. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, we just wanted you to start off by introducing yourself, telling the world who you who is Whitney. Yes, so I'm actually your cousin, cousin <laughs> of the Thielen family. Um, I also do lots of pictures for you guys. Um, she's basically our photographer. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> well, she's a, our photographer, my photographer for like everything. But she's the one that took our pictures for the Feeling Company. She's the Feeling Company's official photographer until she moves <laughs> and leaves. So sweet. But yeah, I've lived in Utah my whole life. Um, I went to Dixie High School, but my story starts in Eagle Mountain. My childhood and a lot of it was spent with you guys. Um, oh yeah, especially um, in the episode about Jody highlights and stuff. A lot of that time you guys spent with me, sleeping over every night. Like, and I know I joke that I'm like the fourth view shy sister, but no, <laughs> you are. <laughs> um, it's just part of my memories and who I am. And um, your uncle, my dad, Derek. Um, that's like the first memories I have with him and probably the best memories of early 2000s really highlighted um, the best parts of his life. Um, and that's when I met my husband Cameron when we were three years old. He was my neighbor um, that lived across the street. Um, love at first sight in a literal sense, the first boy I ever saw. And I knew I was <laughs> oh, so, so cute. Oh, you guys literally had your Valentine's like card that you gave to each other yeah. on your cake. Yeah. <laughs> gave that Valentine to me in like 2004 or five, and I kept it in a sticker book binder because I knew it was important. And I just accidentally hung on to it forever because he was the one I wanted to be with. And then it was your so, cake topper, so cute. He actually <laughs> came to my Valentine's party that my mom threw with all the neighborhood girls, and he was the only boy there. Um, he would just show up to my parties mm -hmm. as my crush. Um, we also <laughs> would play like Power Rangers together all the time. Um, and Sega video games, um, go on the slip inside. We'd ride bikes together and I had training wheels until I was eight because huh. I never learned how to ride a bike very effectively. It was hard for me. <laughs> My dad just never really sat down and like taught me cause he's like, um, in and out of the house and rehab wasn't very consistent, but I would say, wait, let me catch up guys. Like, cause I was the only girl on the block and they'd just yell, mustard back at me thinking they're so funny because i said let me catch up <laughs> oh, i was like, I was like what? what must okay fun times in that neighborhood we'd also um spend a lot of time outside and catching tadpoles because the internet wasn't really as big around then so kids would just play outside and we even um in the summer would spit watermelon seeds over the balcony and they grew watermelons that spring and in our front yard. And I had to take my first day of kindergarten school picture holding my watermelon. Oh, I still have that, but yeah. <laughs> that's so fun. You have such a good memory. Yeah, Honestly, it is incredible. Um, I think the reason why that is, is just because I don't know, even like trauma and not even necessarily trauma, but just remembering my life is what's important to me. Those are my memories. That's literally I don't know what I live for is those memories whereas I don't know in school you sit down and learn math and the Pythagorean theorem and I'm like this is useless information to me <laughs> what's important in my brain but the fun parts about that time too was traveling and like with our family trips and stuff too with my family, but combined family, we'd spend a lot of time in like Bear Lake, Yellowstone, mm -hmm. California, just 
out doing things. I remember your, I don't know, like you have these core memories of us being at your house, but like some of my happiest memories are also being at your house. <laughs> like yeah. every time I think about like my childhood, I remember making rice crispy treats with your mom with your yeah <laughs> or like you and sierra i was always around but like i'm an older sister i'm four years older than you guys and so i would hang out with your mom a lot of the yeah. time and we do crafts and stuff and so i just have such a strong memory of being at your house my mom is really a huge influential person in my life but especially in those developmental years because she is fun that way like she just had all sorts of like painting supplies and mm -hmm. even like wooden like sign kind of things that she'd make in the garage and she also did daycare for the neighborhood kids to like help make income and so she was really good with kids that way and there was always fun stuff to do at our house we actually would talk about me and cam um because i don't know if i should disclose this information because <laughs> it's kind of saying something rude but um he felt like his parents didn't love him because mm. they wouldn't go out and do things like my mom would take us to the dinosaur museum. And she'd take us to Carl's Jr. and get us star nuggets and we'd play on this ginormous playground <laughs> that felt like stories high. And he was just like, I just feel like my family doesn't care about me or doesn't want me to have fun. <laughs> but yeah. Your mom was so good at having so good. fun. So I think it would be awesome to hear about how your relationship like I don't know you mentioned your dad a little bit like in and out of rehab I want to know a little bit more about like my family dynamic -ish. yeah yes okay yeah if that's okay yes of course so um my family growing up was just my mom my dad and my brother and I and Jordan was always he was just my buddy we've been we have a trauma bond like we've been <laughs> i like that um, a, trauma a trauma bond yeah but uh i don't know my dad was a good person in my life but also yeah he was just absent a lot of the time um one video that i kind of share online sometimes is a vhs or vcr tape of me playing with like a sprinkler hose, pretending it's a camera. And that's significant to me for a couple reasons because, well, for one, pretending a sprinkler hose is a camera is kind of imaginative, but also like shows my passion for photography and like yeah. utilizing what you have. <laughs> you don't have a camera, you will just use the hose. Um, <laughs> attachment, I guess, is what it is. But um, also just, he was a very caring person but he and he wanted to help other people all the time, but he could never help himself. He also showed Jordan that he and I that he cared about us, but it was almost more hurtful because he would allow himself to be vulnerable and like have highly intelligent and like feeling conversations. And then he'd go behind our back and like use substances or be a horrible person. And it's just like, he had so much insight and so many demons that it was just a very conflicting character to deal with in my life. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good way of describing no, it. No, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of going with that, like um, some of the prompted questions you gave me were like, what was my mental health growing up? And as a child, I was actually very outgoing and playful. I would get phone numbers of 
kids on the playground all the time coming over. I was like a popular kid almost, like <laughs> I just was playing all the time. Um, but as I got older, I felt like I kind of lost that spark. And I can get into that a little bit, like why I feel like my dad's um, mental health issues kind of spiraled me even when I was like 12 mm -hmm. um, because he would use and then he would tell me that he gets like suicidal and as a kid that's really destructive because it gave me like this sense of oh you can just opt out of life when things get hard uh, but it and he would like way. say those things out loud to you mm -hmm. and I actually um visited my dad in the hospital after an attempt and he kind of like gave me a morbid description of everything and there's just uh -huh. some things that have been crossed with boundaries that yeah with that. but just his mentality it's almost contagious how it affected me like he didn't want to be here and he didn't see me as being worth sticking around for and so I'm like oh and then what's the point for me does that even make yeah it does that yeah did you like look at that a lot then with like your dad expressed his like suicidal thoughts or not being here like did you put on yourself like you just said it seemed like he didn't you weren't worth living I for I didn't think that I was the root of the problems um if that's what you're saying just like did it yeah like affect you were you like oh well he doesn't really care to be did around it, like make your self-esteem I think yeah or, like I yeah, no, not honestly, that you were the I cause. I feel like it affected my self-esteem because honestly, as a kid, I felt embarrassed of him for a long time, really? which is sad for me to admit because I had so much love to give him mm -hmm. that honestly, sometimes he didn't deserve the second chances or me being the one reaching out and trying to him constantly and him not reciprocating that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> How old were you? I don't know if you were going to talk about your mom and dad. Divorce, like separating? Yeah. And how old you were? Um, they divorced in 2010, and then my mom remarried my stepdad in 2012. Okay. Um, yeah. What was like, because I didn't know, that's what I was like trying to piece together how, I don't know how often you were like with your dad and because you said that you had a lot of love to give but it wasn't reciprocated and if people listen then they're probably like well that's the thing what's he like, there well people joke with divorced parents like on and off like you go one week on one mm -hmm. week off but like it was kind of my dad coming back and forth to me from northern utah to southern utah like he'd move to salt lake then he moved to st george to be with us and then he wouldn't like mm -hmm. but I, near the end of his life i didn't really see him a lot um in high school, I remember feeling I had a lot of fun in high school. Like I was very involved, but I just really struggled with anxiety um, because of traumas in my life that made me like think the worst scenario is going to be the case happening. Um, but in high school, I really I decided to switch from softball. I did for first the first two years of high school and really pursue um, photography and art. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what helped me through high school, feeling like everyone hated me, even though that probably wasn't the case. It was just those anxious feelings. But having that creative outlet did a lot for me, um, especially because um, I won the Sterling Scholar for art uh, the day after my dad's funeral. And oh, so man. that was like a huge thing for me because I won something that was a huge 
there was a lot of work in high school, but I don't know, like making that achievement and also getting money to start my future in school, but also not having him there for the award was a lot of emotions to go through at once. That's what I'm, I'm kind of wondering, like, because I know my perspective of you in high school and how you were is probably very different than where you were. Like we lived five hours away from each other. We'd see each other not often. And I thought like Whitney, the perfect girl, so happy, so cute. So is that really what you thought of me? Yes. Yes. And I think I always thought of you as like super happy and super strong strong and like smart. Yes, I would just I'm like really. I know, like, you were smart, and like at that time, you were a part of the church, and like mm-hmm. I saw you as an active member of the yeah, church. I was intending on going on a mission and everything. Yeah. So, but. so, so I guess like I a breakdown of a timeline of events or like. No, I just yes. wanted to know like what you were really like, how you were how really in high school. In yeah, because I feel like I really tried, that image was important to me, and I really curated that, because you can do that with photography, you can make your life look a certain way, and so I did, um, and I was happy, I was very involved, but I don't know, there's so much that happens on the inside, people aren't mm-hmm. aware of, um, I, a lot of the time throughout my life, though, like, I've been the project person that someone feels like they need to fix, mm-hmm. and in high school, I felt a lot that way, especially because my friends were so, not even my friends were so LDS community, but my whole high school, the atmosphere was just very heavy that way, even mm-hmm. regardless of what their beliefs were, that's just kind of how the area was, um, what was I even talking about? I know. Sorry. Um, sorry. You were talking about how... Oh, because you talked about your dad. That's what you are talking about was your dad and, like, the Sterling Scholar. And I wanted to know more, like... About that era Yeah. Yeah. So, so that you... was, like, a really rough time, I feel like, because my dad just didn't really show up in high school anymore because he was so far gone at that point. Like, he... Um, I believe around that time was when he was living with Nana, and then shortly after he was kind of like homeless, living out of his car mm, type okay. of situation. Um, but like he would say that he was going to come meet us for dinner and stuff, and I planned my whole day around it, and then he would just never show up. It's just oh. kind of what it looked like. Or I'd like text him asking him how he's doing, or I'd like send him prom pictures and just nothing. But I feel like I definitely just... I trauma block things and I ignore things and I just kind of made my life look like how I wanted it to. Okay. But But what like were you feeling on the inside of like did you just kind of accept that your dad just stopped showing around or like did it affect you every time? Like did he let you down every time? He didn't disappoint me anymore because he actually like let me down so much as a child. Like it's been long ago. Like he would show up to my softball drink, softball games, just totally intoxicated and embarrassed me. Like, or we'd go to this, me and Jordan and my dad would go crawdad fishing up in Veo, just this little ravine pool mm-hmm. area. And he actually drove us home drunk. Um, and I was going to call my mom or the police. And he's like, don't do that or I'll never see you again. And 
just super like scary uh, stuff. Like mm-hmm. he just had been letting me down so often that it's what was my expectation. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so like, when we made plans, I had hoped that he showed up and I would show up because I knew that I was going to lose my dad because of his behaviors, that he was going to die not that far down the road. Like I didn't know for sure, but because of the patterns, like I almost became adapted to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes sense. A lot of sense. So like when you reached out to your dad, you would just reach out in hopes, not really expecting anything though. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of expectation there, but just like, well, my mom always said, like Derek, if you don't stop these habits, you're not going to make it past 40. And he died three days before his 40th birthday. Mm-hmm. Like it's just kind of predictable and, behaviors of addicts. Yeah. Just, and well, how old were you when he died? When yeah. I was 18. It was right before I graduated. And then that's kind of where I feel like my life truly began mm-hmm. because like, you're, you are prepared in school to do things, or at least I spent a lot of time in school thinking my reality was going to be a certain way. And I had a certain image that I wanted to look like. Um, But once real life hits you and once you go through those life events and especially after I lost my dad, um, my friends decided they didn't want to talk to me anymore, but that's just kind of like high school. Um, I just feel like that's where I really got to make decisions and I didn't do well. That's when I went through my psychotic break. Do you um, want to talk yeah, about that? Yeah, I do mm-hmm. want to talk about that. Um, the hard thing about that is I was just, uh, I think the psychotic break was either in, induced from a substance I wasn't supposed to be taking or just because of losing my dad. Um, and that was I went through psychosis and that was extremely scary. Um, just the delusions in my head. What led up to your the psychotic break? Yes. Um, no, I was living in college dorms, um, going to school for photography. Um, I have an associate's degree, but I decided not to go to school for that because it wasn't benefiting me. But I pretty much just got in with the wrong crowd, honestly, had some life events going on too and i've never struggled with depression but i have with anxiety um and i really i just don't know what triggered it honestly it was just a really something i've never even heard about until it happened to me which is why it's so horrifying but can you explain a little bit of what that was like in the process of it i remember when um the process of it because Like, I was gone on my mission, I think, when a lot of that happened. And I remember, like, my family reached out and was like, we went and saw Whitney, and she's having, like, a hard time. And so I don't know too much about what was going on or what it was like or what it means. Yeah, so I – my brain just broke. I don't really know the scientific terms. Um, And it created a bunch of delusions in my head where – I thought I had capabilities that I didn't or like it was just so bizarre because I knew it wasn't real but you can't justify that to your own head and not only that but because of the internet it was so public and so humiliating to me um what was 
um, like oh, the that things you that I would, would post, post like my delusions oh. and that sort of thing. So that was just a really confusing time because I knew something was wrong, but mm -hmm. I couldn't fix it. Mm -hmm. I don't, it's just really bizarre. Anyways, I ended up being hospitalized. Did you want me to go more in depth though about like my mental stuff? Or... No, that's good. No, and then that's... like, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. But then I ended up being hospitalized um, and you came to visit me and you saw how scary that was. What was that like for you being hosp hospitalized is the worst thing ever. Your rights are taken away. You feel just... Do you like remember it? Like being in there then pretty well? I remember all of it. Really? I remember going crazy. I remember having the delusional thoughts, but not being able to make them go away. How long so, were you there? Like, were you hospitalized? A couple weeks, I believe. And then I was hospitalized two other times in St. George, but not for psychosis, just because of the post-depression of that. Okay. Struggling with suicide because after you go through a psychotic break, what they gave me was lithium. If you know anything about lithium, it's pretty, it pretty much just sedates you. Mm -hmm. um, and so for a year I was a zombie and that was more traumatic than, and destructive in my life than thinking that I met Ariana Grande or like, that's what the delusions <laughs> I was having. It was like that's... thinking I met celebrities or like, you told me that when we were in there, but I was confused. I thought things could communicate to me through Bluetooth. Like um, I was so like disoriented. Are you hearing like other voices or? Yeah. It... Well, it was, they described it similar to schizoaffective disorder or like, which is similar to schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. Um, but it wasn't like I was hearing voices in my head. I just thought I could communicate in different ways than more traditional. Like, almost like a weird spiritual thing, but not in the sense that it was real mm -hmm. spirituality. But, like, I would see things on the news or on TV or in music. And I think that it was something, like, a specific message for me. You know what okay. I'm trying to say? Yeah. I was just very, I had no concept of reality. Okay. okay. So, like, when you had these ideas of things, like, did you think that things were just communicating to you or, like, a specific message? Or did you, like, for example, Ariana Grande, did you, like, feel like you actually had that event? Like, did you picture that event happening? Did that event yeah, happen? I, my head would just have such vivid ideas that weren't driven by myself. Like, it was just the drug running it pretty okay. much that I just was so confused. I don't know. Like, I thought... Trump and Obama could be friends type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to reunite the political parties of the Democrats and Republicans to the purple party because red and blue make purple. Oh, okay. I remember you talked about... <laughs> like the tweakers on the street, not to use an offensive term like that, but that's what I became. And if I didn't get help, I would probably be in a similar scenario to that. That's... Which is heartbreaking because, like I said, lithium was so much more hurtful being a zombie for a mm -hmm. year. You reached, you actually reached out to me. You were on your mission when uh -huh. I was on lithium, and I felt like you guys cared about me, and I saw your family. Um, the Bushai's, like, when I came to visit my dad's grave and stuff, and I had a few other, um, couple other family members, but 
I just felt so much despair and so alone every single day being on that medicine because mm. of the sedation, but also like it made it so that I didn't have thoughts in my head anymore because so the lithium, I mean, the psychosis created all these crazy ideas in my head, right? So the lithium was just empty in it. Mm-hmm. So I had nothing in my mind. Okay. I wanted, did you, how were you like feeling when you were so in the hospital so if you were having these thoughts and like you knew and you were thinking things but what were you like you trying to work how it? you were feeling or like if you were scared you I were there extremely were... frustrated mm-hmm. um and angry I've, maybe you remember that but because my rights were taken away and um i also felt that's kind of also when it started kicking in because that's when the transfer is from the medicine, like, oh, like <laughs> regret and realization of like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? Okay. But, what is like the process at the hospital for them to be able to help you through it? Um, The hospital I was at was LDS and they were actually really helpful in my opinion, like the care I got there. I was in the ICU, which is not a good unit to be in. Um, you're getting like 24 hour watch and that type of stuff. Like it was severe, but um, they just, and I honestly have medical trauma now too. Like I won't see, I don't like seeing a doctor because when you get your rights taken away, you feel like you're going to be stuck in the hospital forever. Yeah, that's yeah. scary. Whoa. It's not fun, but. Um, I'd say a lot of my feelings didn't develop until the aftermath of everything. Okay. And that's but what, the, sorry. No, after no. like the lithium and everything too. Yeah, that's okay. when it all came back, I would say. But that's what's so important to me. Like, um Cam's mom will like ask me stuff about my dad or just bring up trauma and I just I've had to establish a boundary like I can't talk to you about this because these are real feelings. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so important about the feeling companies. It's not just like, a, it's not a story. It's my trauma. There's still feelings I'm going through right now. They're yeah. And they're strong and they're real. It's deep stuff. But yes, the lithium um, made me a zombie. It made me have no thoughts. It gave me muscle retardation, which made me physically mechanically move slower so i I couldn't like shampoo my own hair very well i couldn't make like mac and cheese i couldn't take care of myself because it Mm. slowed me down that much um where were you living at this time my mom and stepdad uh took me back in after that and i was working at dixie nutrition i forgot to even mention i got admitted to the hospital again because i wrecked my dad's car that he gave me which was his only memento or whatever that word is, his only thing he left behind <laughs> for me. Um, and that was devastating. And I just barely stopped insuring it because I was going through debt from the psychotic break because my finances were messed up because I had no clarity of mind like that either. So I would walk to work every mm-hmm. day for a year without a car. And wow. that's sort of thing. my parents, I'm so grateful that they helped me get through that. But and the lithium wasn't like just taking a pill and being unhappy. It was an injection in my butt. I didn't know every that. Every couple weeks or so. 
So, and the nurse who would do it did it wrong. And so it'd be sore, like she wouldn't put it in the medically right spot. So I'd feel horrible, like depression and just suicide Ah. because I wanted the effects of this medication. And uh, when you start taking that, is it, what's the timeline? Like, did you know it would be for? Oh, the doctor that I went to i hate her and uh (laughs) she wanted me to be on it forever really and my mom and i would fight her every week trying to get me off of it until she finally lowered the dose and if i wouldn't get the injection then i'd be admitted back into the hospital again you see the vicious cycle and then like they take my rights away and i could be in the hospital forever so i literally have no choice but to take this drug or to be hospitalized oh for over a year Oh, um, wow. So how did you finally crashing my car, losing all my friends, <laughs> losing my dad, being drugged by my boyfriend at the time. <laughs> so Man. it was oh. a lot, but then um, how did you finally like get off, off of, it? of it? Like, how did you they just finally lowered the dose after oh. my mom and I would beg them until they finally just were like, okay, we can take it off. And okay. what was that experience um, like, like being able to come from, I don't know, you felt like a zombie to becoming alive again, I guess. Yeah, it's a huge transformation for sure. Like, not only was I a zombie with no feelings, but like, I genuinely just didn't have it. I couldn't see my life continuing anymore. Like, like what was the purpose? And mm-hmm. I just didn't think I could make it. Like, that's when the suicide got really bad to the point where I had plans and that type of thing. But, um, it was not, I don't know, when I, I went to the doctor in December of this year in hopes to get like antidepressant or anxiety, just a mental health th- medication. I'm mm-hmm. just going to try it again after going through my medical trauma. So I was like a huge step for me. Yeah. yeah. My doctor ghosted me <laughs> as well as Are after, you serious? after he made the claim saying, I finally felt listened to by a doctor because he said that I was sick on the lithium. Everyone mm. had said that I was sick from psychosis, but he was the first one to say that I was sick off the lithium, oh. which is true. I was sick off yeah. both, but like no one had ever mentioned to me like that really sucked that I was just a robot. Yeah. And you got to get some validation in that and then way. He was gone. Like, and then, but it worked out because I ended up getting a medical card which is a better fit for medicine for me mm-hmm. and natural. I'm not going to push that on anyone, but that was the best thing for, for me. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, and can I talk about Cameron again? Yeah, That's yes. what saved my butt. Yes. <laughs> From, I mean, my parents really took me in and uh, helped me when I was on the lithium, but I saved enough money to buy a car mm-hmm. after walking to work for a year for a minimum wage job. I got the car. Then I started like having a social life again because at the same time I got the car was when the medication was going away. Okay. I went back to normal. I started going to like kind of parties mm-hmm. and stuff with kids in the area. That was not a good crowd. And I would have probably been sucked back into the same like rabbit hole, if you will. But um, Cam added me on Snapchat and decided to come visit me with his best friend breaks up with his girlfriend comes to see me and says i've been in love with you my whole life and 
pretty much like rescued like he was just what I needed like not only was he my friend from my whole childhood but um in the wedding in my wedding um the camp's uncle that married us talks about um my dad when we moved away from Eagle Mountain sold well gave him a pocket knife to remember me and um his mom Cam's mom made him give all his change for the knife because she felt bad for whatever reason about getting a free knife. I think it's weird to give a child a knife in general. (laughs) (laughs) And he had the knife until we got together. He lost it. And then we bought a replica of the same knife just so that we could have it. Mm -hmm. But Cam's significant in my life because he was there for me when my dad was alive and mm-hmm. my actual like father when I needed him as a kid. Cam you... came to St. George and showed up as the friend that I needed mm-hmm. and cared about me and decided that we wanted Had you kept contact with him? Like how much contact did you with have Cameron? with him? Yeah. We stayed friends forever. Um okay. when I was 12 I would pray I would pray to the Mormon God or manifest things. Um <laughs> One of them being that I'd marry Cam and, um, oh, what was I going to say? You really I would, would? I would pray that I would get to see That's him again. Sweet. And then his family, like shortly after I prayed about that, um, Cam's family came to visit for spring break um, when I was 12. I said that again, sorry. And then I got to see him again. Um, we connected through Snapchat. Like we would Snapchat as friends when I was 16. That's um, so sweet. Oh, oh yeah, we reconnected wow. and he's just been there loving me, giving me love that I've never been able to like receive before. Mm-hmm. And uh then we moved to American Fork together when we didn't want to be long distance. And now we're married. Yay. Um, <laughs> That's so exciting. Yeah, we it's been a interesting transition because not only from dating living together but being childhood best friends it creates an interesting dynamic can I ask like how Cameron has helped you like in what ways like is he there for you so you said that like he saved you and he came into your life and has helped you what's been the biggest way um I think Cameron kind of is my compliment as a person he shows like he's known for being quiet to people that just observe him but he shows me because I can easily get triggered in my emotions because of my trauma or I just feel a lot of feelings, which Uh is normal. (laughs) Um, But he is just always level-headed, like always kind to other people. Um, He just loves me unconditionally. Um, Did he know about all of this before about the like psychotic break yeah well he didn't know dad. he was friends with me when i was going crazy but then i removed him mm-hmm. for the hospitalization and then we recon he actually his mom came to the funeral and he would like text me about my dad oh when he died like checking and seeing how i'm doing Oh, Checking that's on my so mental sweet. health. Like, so he's talking about he's always always been, been there, there, just really. checking he in really on you. Has, that's yeah. amazing. And even when I was going crazy, he wanted to date me. Then I did well, want to talk about my why I love photography. Though mm-hmm. photography is kind of been always my passion. Like in high school, as it was a, for a different motive. Like you were talking about how I had kind of like an image idea. 
Um, but I re I didn't have any passions when I was on lithium because I had no thoughts to, and I wouldn't even take pictures and that's all I love to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so the fact that I was able to get back, back into photography and find a passion again is huge. And the fact that I'm with Cameron, like I've always wanted and have love when I was on lithium, I just never thought I would get anything ever out of my life again. Mm -hmm. And the reason I love photography so much is you get to freeze a moment in time and you get to manipulate reality to capture the way that you see it. Um, and I love capturing um, beautiful highlights in people's lives. And I want people to feel comfortable when they're getting their photo taken and receive great photos like it's the best picture of them <laughs> that they've seen. You do be, good. I, you I, are so amazing. Good. It should be a comfortable experience. They shouldn't be like frozen in front like you prompt them what to do. You're literally so good and Thank have you. always been. I remember when we went to San Diego and you like pulled out your phone, lifted it up to a building, took a picture and then like walked away or something and then posted it and immediately it looked so good and I was like, how? <laughs> well, literally, so how did you do that? <laughs> she would take pictures all the time and I remember that I took a picture on that trip trying to be like Whitney. No, <laughs> I'm really? like, I want to be, a, I want to be like artistic <laughs> like yeah. Whitney. I try to be like you. <laughs> I think that like, photography honestly also helps with my memory though too is mm -hmm. because I'm also obsessed with like documenting photo journal and those memories and I remember a lot of things from photographs and I don't know it kind of in my mind goes hand in hand yeah. it works the same way the way that I take a picture versus the way that I remember uh -huh. yeah so. uh this might be kind of like switching up a little bit but like what how do you feel now with like all these emotions and your breaks and suicidal thoughts and just everything that you've been through? How like are you doing emotionally now? I say now I feel healed. Like I've overcome something. I overcame my trauma with the psychosis, the lithium, and I feel safe. I feel yeah. like I have passions and like I have good people in my life like you guys and I feel loved. Oh, I'm happy. Good, good positive I, emotions. And something I never thought I would say at that time. What do you think about, how do you feel when you think back to that time? Like sharing your story right now. What do you, what led you, I guess, to want to share about that? To share my story. Mm -hmm. I just have lived through moments of such despair like that. And you, that you can get through it because mm -hmm. I honestly didn't think I would. I just am blown away and think about how incredible it is with you saying all these emotions and these feelings that you've been through. And I'm like, okay, I know Whitney struggled, but just being able to like see you sitting in front of me right now. And I'm just like, I'm so glad Whitney is here with me today. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just so grateful that you were able to overcome. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Because I, it very easily couldn't, could have not been that way. And yeah, it could be that story for a lot of people. And it's just like the going gets tough. And sometimes life is so unbearable, mm -hmm. but you push through it anyways. And it does get better eventually. 
even though it doesn't make the hard any less hard. Yeah. Well, you're a strong girl. Well, thank you, you guys. Do you like... Sorry, I don't know if that was the end. No, no you can't. <laughs> if you have other stuff. <laughs> I was like, uh. No, do you look back at those moments or your past life and feel proud or feel grateful? Like, how do you feel... You feel mad that they happen. Everything. And that's the thing about our feelings, I think, is that it can change. Like, it really just depends on the day. Most of the time, I feel like I've accepted it. Mm -hmm. And I, especially because people have, like you guys and my parents and even my ex scenario, like with that, have allowed to forgive me and I've forgiven myself. But there are moments of embarrassment and almost sadness that I had to go through that. But for the most part, I would say it is those positive emotions. And maybe it's just that point of where I am at in my life. But Mm -hmm. I think that's a cool perspective that you have. Like, we can say, would you like to change your past? Or if you could, would you? Or like, how does your past make you feel? And just because the past is past doesn't mean that that feeling has to stay the same. You were like, my feelings on the past change. Like, that can still change. I love that, too. So I think that's, like, really cool perspective. because it's true no you said that and i was like well yeah kylie what a dumb question (laughs) like of course it changes i think that's so true even like what i was saying with mom's mom asking me horribly invasive questions people ask me horribly (laughs) invasive questions it's like these are very real feelings this is something i went through you kind of have to be sensitive to people with that in mind I guess oh absolutely do you feel like talking about it helps you in any way or like I'm sure you have your boundaries of what does help and what doesn't help of talking about it um I don't know if it helps me but talking about it kind of just feels like acknowledging the pain wasn't for nothing in a way okay yeah I think I think it helped me, <laughs> if anything. Well, at least give you a little more clarity of why I was so crazy at the hospital. Like, it's just another personal thing. Like, the fact that you were there is crazy. And I'm just, I'm just beyond happy that not only do I get to learn more and, like, know more about it, but that you're sharing it with other people because I think it's such a unique story and it's such a meaningful one that it's like everybody's going to get something out of it and you have just the fact that you can sit here at the end of the day and be like I feel healed is amazing because I don't know how many people have that hope that they'll be able to get healed just like you said and I'm so glad that I was able to I like be there through your whole life and know who you are and know how incredibly amazing Whitney is. Well, you guys are a huge part of my life, so thank you for always being here. I know that that's one of the biggest things, like, my our family has always done is try to love you guys. Like, we – like, Kylie was there for some of it. I was gone, but even being there in the present, there were still things Kylie didn't understand or didn't know. And so, like – even if you know part of somebody's story, there's mm-hmm. still more to it. Exactly. And so there's just so much to give and to love for a person. Okay. Well, you did so good. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much, Whitney. Love you. Love you. 
And we love you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Whitney's story. It is definitely an emotional one. So we hope that you were able to feel for her and also just know that there are people out there going through things and it's okay to be going through things yourself. You're not alone and we're glad you listened. Yep. So after you go give Whitney some love, we're going to link her personal account and her photography account. If you live in Utah, make sure you hit her up because she's literally so good and then subscribe rate and review and we hope that you have a good rest of your monday or week or whenever you're listening to this (laughs) we love you bye